back everybody to the retro blood as we continue our series long review of all the halloween movies that happened in the 1980s up next if you like uh children's mask if you like tom ankins getting all kinds of booty if you like our boy cochran the modern day celtic warrior that's right move over Mm -hmm. michael myers we don't need you anymore we got the cochran brother all right. Yep. If you like witchcraft, if you like uh, uh, bugs that pour out of your mouth, this is the review for you, brother, because we're talking all about Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Jay Austin, James Klein, what's happening, Allison? How you feeling about this Halloween Season 3, and how you feeling about this month so far? Man, um, man, this, this has been a great month. This has been one of my favorite months that we've done. I mean... I mean, I love these movies, and you love these movies, and now we're talking about five movies in a row that we like. Um, and I, I mean, I'm super stoked. I mean, I am so I'm so excited about this month. I wish it could go on forever, but it can't. All good things have to come to an end. So, uh, yeah, I'm having a great uh, great time so far. Um, are you, you getting? Know, uh, are you getting this one? Are you getting Halloween prepared? Are you watching all your commercials? Are you getting your mask ready? Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting my mask ready so that uh, when the Halloween commercial hits it uh, on Halloween night, and I can take over the world with my uh, little mask ghost children. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's how you do it. Whatever was supposed to happen. Well, what it is, it, it was uh, so. There's a couple of things I was thinking about this movie, which we'll get into long form here in a little mm-hmm. bit when we do the whole review. But you know, we actually got a little Easter egg from our last review, Halloween oh. Two. I don't know if you Uh noticed this, everybody. Yes, there was an Easter egg. So our boy Loomis, the legend himself, who Mm would have turned like 103 uh, this this month, um, he gave us a little uh, uh, hint about this movie because he was talking about all about Sam Heim. Sam Heim, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Sam Heim. 
Is it Haim or Heem? It's okay. <laughs> so the way they said it in Halloween Two is Sam Hain. Yes, which is how Glenn Danzig pronounced uh, his band name as well. It's actually pronounced Salad, which is how they pronounce it in this movie. Yes, Salad. I got you. <laughs> I'm Moving on. <laughs> I'm just messing. <laughs> I'm just messing around now. But anyway, he gave us a hint all about, you know, he gave us a backstory. And our boy Cochran, he, that's basically what this was all about. It was, his the goal was to sacrifice these kids through their masks so he can do a, a cleansing of the world. So, mm-hmm. very, very uh, t- tie-in kind of with Halloween. But we'll get into all that. That should be a, a fun time. But yeah, you know, this season of Witch is a very, very interesting um, movie. You know, it's showing what the Halloween series was going to be or what they envisioned it to be without using Michael Myers because, you know, like we said before on the last podcast that we did, you know, it was, you know, we when Michael died in that flame, that was supposed to be the end of him. You know, like John yeah. Carper didn't even, he didn't even technically wanted to write that film, but they they gave him a bunch of money and it's like, well, fuck, I can't, I gotta pay my bills. So, yeah, you know, I got, a, yeah, I got those gimmicks in the mail, brother. All right. <laughs> So I got to pay this stuff, but I'm going to end this character. But, you know, the Halloween franchise is actually, you know, was, you know, was obviously very popular even during the 80s. That's when it's really getting popular. So, you know, they probably came up with the idea to make this movie again. And then this is like the kind of like the the, well, the first installment of like this like different anthology series that we were going to see. Mm-hmm. So it's very, it's very interesting seeing oh, oh, what could have been with Halloween. But we'll get into all that. But, you know, before we get into all the production notes and the full movie review, let's talk about our history segment like we do every month here on the Retro Blood. Um, This history segment is going to be a little different uh, because we are going to be talking about uh, a a character profile on this particular uh, review, which we'll get into here in a second. But um, Halloween 3 was released October 22nd, 1982. So about almost one year to the date of the release of Halloween 2. So we got, we're got we one year later. And in metal music, what I found, uh, apparently the band Van Halen, on this date, October 22nd, 1982, they began mm-hmm. Van Halen Day in Worcester, Massachusetts. As the band began a three-night performance at the Worcester Centrum. So, on this day, started off a three-day Van Halen super tour. Can you tell us anything yeah. about the Van Halen there, Allison? Uh, I mean, what's there not to say? I mean, what, I, you know, what can I say about Van Halen has already been said. I mean, they're, it's classic, man. Van Halen is so good. Um, you know, I mean, Eddie Van Halen was one of the best guitar players of all time. He's actually, you know, the thing about Eddie Van Halen, um, is I actually think Eddie Van Halen is an underrated guitar player. I think he's actually better. Well, he was, he's passed away, unfortunately, but he was, he was actually better than his reputation. Like, uh, like he, like I, listening to Van Halen records today, like it still amazes me some of the things he could do on guitar. Um, I mean, he, I mean, he was a, he was a brilliant guitar player. I have a, a lot of controversial opinions, and um, as, and you'll hear some of those tonight as well. But I'll go ahead and throw one out there too. Like I'm a huge Van Halen fan, but I really like the Van Halen with Sammy Hagar better than the David Lee Roth Van Halen. 
Uh-huh. And that's going to be a controversial opinion for a lot of people, but I like Van Hagar better personally. Uh, what do you think about Van Halen? You have any opinions? So I'm not the biggest Van Halen fan, even though I do know some of their hits. So, yeah. you know, particularly like, so during 1982, which is the year we're talking about right now, they did release an album, uh, the, the Diver Down. And that yeah. actually has one of the songs that, that I know from them is Pretty Woman. Which is probably one of yep. their be- one of their best radio hits out there, and I knew that song all from growing up and everything. Um, so I'm you know I'm pretty sure like this album was like a a big deal to them getting onto the scene, and you know it looks like they were like a '70s band that you know made some more albums during the '80s, but this is probably when they're they're probably like a like a super band kind of during this time. Yeah, they were about to get as big as they could get. 1984. Uh, when when they released their 1984 album, that was as big as they ever got. Well, yeah, probably. I mean, they were huge by that point. They were playing stadiums, and they were they were just a huge, huge, huge band. So yeah, they were like a 70s band that were able to translate over to the 80s a lot better than some bands did. Yes, and, you know, they were glamish kind of. Yeah, Betty. I mean, I I like them a little bit. They're a little bit more on the. I haven't really. I mean, I haven't looked. Like I said, I've been listening to some of their older stuff, but just with the stuff I remember listening to, some of their newer stuff, they're basically like a like a really good jam rock band. You know what I mean? Like I'm pretty sure their phone their their shows are very very fun. You know, um, obviously very no, rocking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously they probably um, you know inspired a bunch of bands and stuff. But so with the with the band, you said you liked the the band with the who. Who better? With Sammy Hagar. Sammy yeah. Hagar, so in 1980, yes. after at, at the end of 1984, yes. uh, David Lee Roth quit Van Halen and went solo. Gotcha. Um, which could possibly be a, the worst musical decision of all time. I mean, <laughs> he was popular for a while solo, but definitely not as big as Van Halen was. And then they got Sammy Hagar to replace him, and I actually prefer that version of Van Halen better. Yeah. So basically, during the 80s, well, the you know when this movie was out, we still had. Um, David Lee Roth uh, doing his thing. Yeah. I got you. Yeah, this was still David Lee Roth Van Halen. So this is like the classic Van Halen to most people. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't, I particularly don't have a lot of uh, news on Van Halen. Um, You know, like I said, like, I know a lot of their hits and stuff. Um, You know, the band, I mean, we'll probably play some stuff on the YouTube channel, maybe some of their concerts and stuff. But, you know, this is very, you know, obviously it's one of the biggest bands, especially for like a lot of the, the old timers, you know, like this one, this band kind of reminds me of like one of them old timer bands, you know, but I do yeah, like their yeah. sound. Well, I mean, I guess yeah. so. I mean, kind of. Yeah. I mean, I do like their sound and I think that, you know, they, they definitely have a place of being like one of the top bands. So this is, you know, you know, if we were big fans and everything, I think we might be able to drive the Trans Am down there to, uh, to, to Worcester <laughs> to check out this show. Yeah. I mean, we got three yeah, days of it, them. Exactly. We could see them three days in a row. And you were saying that they, Worcester Mass made uh, this day uh, Van Halen Day? Yeah, Van like Halen official Day. Van Halen Day? Yeah. Wow. I wonder if they still celebrate Van Halen Day in Worcester Mass. Like, could we go up there next year for Van Halen Day? I mean, maybe. In yeah, October I wonder if they have a, maybe they have a holiday. Do all the public offices close on Van Halen Day? Yeah, exactly. They everybody you gets a, a day off. Yeah, you got a day off work. Day. Yeah. You got a day off, you know, <laughs> celebrate Van Halen Day, brother. <laughs> And that's, you know, that's kind of interesting too. Like, would you, I mean, I I think I know your answer, but would you see a band three nights in a row? Oh, I have. 
So, like, do they switch up their I, I set each would, night yeah. or what? Well, now, okay, with that in mind, yes, I tend to see bands that switch their setup every night more. You know, seeing those bands three night those shows three nights in a row. But um, I would, yeah, I mean, I would see a band three nights in a row. I mean, I'm cons- I was considering uh, going to see Maiden twice in a row this month, but I think I'm only going to go to one show now. Well, I mean, is it back to back though? Well, it's not back to back days. I mean, there, there's like a day between the shows, but it would be like two shows in a row that would be identical. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, I would, I would go. I, I mean, I don't. I mean, Van Halen. Would I go see Van Halen three nights in a row? I don't know. Maybe. But yeah, I would go see bands three nights in a row for sure. Yeah, I mean, I could. So with me, the band, even if I liked, you know, obviously, Dave's my favorite band. You know, obviously, I would go there. But you know, for mm. for me, it's kind of like a. You know, it's kind of like a wrestling match. You know, like yes, I I would I don't mind going to the show and seeing them over and over. You know, in in a row, but I you know doing that, I would like them to do something different each night. I think that'd be a little more special. Well, yeah, true. But I mean, wrestling is a bad comparison because wrestling is different every time. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like even if we saw, even if we went to like three, you know, WWF or like I'm literally in the eighties, WWE house shows. Even the matches would still be different. And even if the match, um, the the card was the same, the matches would be a little bit different. Um, so it would that would be a little bit different than say Van Halen playing the set the same set three nights in a row. But I mean, who knows? Maybe they didn't. I mean, I didn't look up the sets. Maybe they played a different set. But I have a feeling they didn't. I have a feeling they played the same show all three nights. Yeah, they had a pretty big production, so I doubt that they could switch that up too too much. Like, give me my check, brother. Exactly. Send me the pay window. But we'll play a little bit of Van Halen at the end of this uh, show. Like I said, you know, Van Halen to me, you know, back, you know, if I'm riding the 80s, I think they would be like a band I might play in the background, but I still don't think I'd be like super excited for them. You know what I mean? I I agree. I mean, like I said, I mean, I'm not like, they're not my favorite band or anything, but I mean, I do, more so recently, actually, do I, I respect Van Halen more than I ever have, like really, really getting into listening to his guitar parts and like how he played and just uh, it's hard to, to describe if you're not a guitar player but it's like it's just like really like very um innovative and very difficult things to play that he would play while singing and running around um and jumping up and down and things like that i, th- I just think that's pretty amazing but he uh but they, they, they i mean they were just very good i mean alex van Halen's a great drummer i mean both singers were very good Actually, all three singers they had were very good. And um, uh, Michael Anthony, the bass player, I mean, his harmonies, uh, singing back up to David and then uh, uh, Sammy and then then later on Gary was just amazing. Like, they were just – I mean, his harmonies are so good. And you can hear that now, like, because he plays in Sammy Hagar's solo band and, like, they sound just like Van Halen, like, when they're when he's singing those backups. It's so, so good. That's so nice. good. <clears throat> yeah everybody van halen day happened on this day so de- definitely some fun information there but let's uh let's transition over to the pro wrestling side so we're gonna do this a little different usually we we find like a match a show a tv show or you know anything that happened on the exact movie day but you know this past month we actually lost a uh in the uh in the time machine uh, of the 20 2022 we actually lost a legend in the japanese wrestling scene antonio Inoki um he passed away uh, this month and uh 
you know, his influence to pro wrestling is like, I mean, there's so much history on this particular person. It is insane. Um, but I thought for this show, maybe we'll talk a little bit about some of the stuff that he did in the 80s and maybe like a little bit of a, you know, character profile that we do on the Retro Blood um, here. Um, so, you know, so Antonio Noki, he, he was born February 20th, 1943. And the thing he's probably best known for is, is you know, obviously a professional wrestler. But he also brought a lot of like martial artists, you know, martial art to pro wrestling. And he was also a, a promoter and a politician in Japan throughout his life, yeah. too. So um, I think one of the biggest things that I think he obviously a couple biggest things within the pro wrestling world is obviously he was the founder of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yes. And he was also the, uh, the first ever IWGP heavyweight champion as well. Yeah, which makes sense because that was his promotion, right? Yes, and that happened a lot with Pretty promotions. Uh, you know, a lot of territories. You know, you you make up your own territory, and it's either you're going to give the belt to yourself, or you're going to give it to at least a family member. Because if you gave it to one of those two, you know, it's more unlikely that that person won't be you know jumping ship like the next week after you gave him the belt. So a lot exactly. of these, yeah, a lot of these like territories and stuff, they always had to make. You know, somebody they trust, the world champion, because that's like, you know, that's like your, that's like your main state, not your draw. But like, that's why people come to the shows most of the time is to see the world champion. So to yeah. me, it makes sense to, you know, making himself the professional wrestler. So, you know, a lot of Noki's famous matches were, were mostly in the 70s. You know, that match he did with Muhammad Ali was, was the pro wrestler versus the boxer. You know, right. he had a couple like IWGP title defenses that there too. Uh, but he did have a couple of matches in the eighties as well. So, um, what did you did you find anything and in the nineties? Yeah, in the nineties too. Like, yeah, I mean, he he was he was doing his uh, doing a lot. Um, did you find some matches that that he did in the eighties? Uh, well, actually, and you know, the th- one thing I wanted to mention too about um, him that I did not know was that he uh, he grew he, he spent most of his early life in Brazil. Yes. Um, and that's where Ricky Dozan found him. Um, so he was, so it's not like he went to, a you know, to Ricky Dozan's, uh, you know, dojo to learn how to be a pro wrestler. Like he was living in Brazil and he got discovered there. Um, but his, his, you know, his big, um, even in the eighties though, he was starting to wind down because, you know, you got to consider he was born in 43. Yep. So he was, you know, so in 73, one year after he started New Japan, he was, you know, 30 years old already. Um, so he was starting to wind down in the 80s. You know, he was he was well into his 40s. Um, one match that I did find that I actually watched and I don't know the date of it because I uh, did not catch that. But um, there's a match where he was on, on WCW Clash of Champions 28, which I think might have been in the 90s, but it, it's fine. We'll talk about it anyway. Um, where he wrestled Steven Regal, and it was that's a really, really good match. Um, the thing about Anoki that was so good what, to me was that he looked like he was actually fighting, like he looked like like a fighter. I mean, yes. you know, it's, it doesn't, it didn't look like um, it didn't. I don't, I hate to use this word, but it didn't look fake. Like it didn't look like pretend fighting, like a lot of well, wrestling today. Yes, because he you looks, know, but he looked like a fighter. Yeah. Exactly, because, you know, he, like I said, he, his his big thing is martial arts when it comes to yeah. professional wrestling. So he really kind of coined the f- phrase strong style. 
which was yes like, for sure yeah which is like you know a lot of hard shots uh, you know making it look as real as possible and that's actually and, something that he actually brought to new japan <laughs> and uh, that, that actually had some controversy to it was you know trying to mix the new japan style with like the real fighting as well yeah and then um the biggest thing that i can think of that he did is um when he beat bob Backlund, and this was in 79 but it's close to 80 he beat uh, Bob Backlund for the WWF World Championship in Japan, um, but they don't recognize that now. Yes, uh, but he did. He did beat Bob Backlund, and then um, he and then Backlund won in the re- won a rematch, and then they reversed the rematch. They kind of they had a dusty finish on it, sort of. So they they called it a new contest because of interference, and then uh, Inoki refused to take the title back. Um. And then Backlund, they, so they declared the title ba- vacant, and then Backlund won the title back uh, um, in January, maybe? Or maybe it was still in December, but he won the title back from Bobby Duncan. Duncan, yes. Duncan, Duncan, yes. Um, so so they, they, the WWF doesn't recognize that title reign, but I do. Yes. Um, so to me, Inoki was a WWF world champion. Um, he was finally inducted into the Hall of Fame, uh, sometime in the 2000s, I believe. Um, but yeah, what did you find from uh, from 1980s matches? I didn't find a lot of 80s matches because he was really just running New yeah. Japan by that point. Yeah, exactly. Mostly. So, you know, some stuff that was going on with him in the 80s, you know, the, towards the towards the later half, uh, well, towards the later half of the 80s, this is when he was really trying to get his political c- career going. Yeah. Because he actually won the office around 1989. All right, and he held that position uh, for the Sports and Peace Party. He he held it from 1989 to 1995. So you know, so a lot of the like the the later on part of the 80s, he was you know obviously running New Japan during this time, and he was getting his political career going because he was actually doing running office while he was still an active wrestler. There was a match between uh, one one famous match that uh, Noki had in the 80s was him himself versus uh, Nick Bockwinkel, and. Apparently in this match, um, the the supposed leg kicks that um, Antonio Anoki was doing was like so deadly that that um, you know Bachwinkle was like bruising all up and stuff. Of course he was selling it really hard, but like that's like one of the Anoki's you know, biggest traits was having that strong um, kick style, very strong. So like a lot of, a lot of Japanese uh, performance has been you know influenced by Anoki. As well, you know, not only Anoki, but obviously uh, Ricky Dozan as well, which is uh, predecessor Anoki. But um, but that's like one of the big matches. Like I said, but most of the time around this time in the '80s, you know, he was just like working up his political career and doing a couple big matches here and here and there uh, with New Japan as well. Um, you know, there is some, you know, obviously there's some controversy with uh, Antonio Anoki when it comes to New Japan. You know, where you know money issues that he was doing with them as well as. You know, bringing in, trying to make New Japan look more like a real kind of sport, but, you know, kind of like really hurting, damaging some of the wrestlers uh, during that particular time period, too. So, you know, mm, yeah, little little controversy figure. But like I said, most of the time during his 80s, he was, you know, getting prepared for his political career as well. So, um, but I mean, obviously one of the most decorated pro wrestlers of all time. Um, there's just True. like so much about, I mean, you can, people could probably do like, shows podcasts books all stuff about anoki but you know we just wanted to talk on here a little bit about you know some of the influence that he had you know most of the stuff that happened in 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 new japan 
you know, especially yeah. during the earlier years is like all Anoki based. And um, I remember, uh, <laughs> so I remember this story and I'm pretty sure it went down like this, but I'm not exactly sure. All right, so, so don't, you know, everybody don't jump on my ass about this, but this is just what I remember. My first, this is what I remember, you know, first hearing about Anoki. Um, so uh, something he used to do, and I'm pretty sure he learned this from Ricky Dozen, if I believe, is people would like line up, all right, in like a straight line, and they would line up just to get slapped by Anoki. All right. You mean like fans or no. like wrestlers? Wrestlers, I think maybe fans did it, but like any kind of wrestlers, any kind of fighters, they would line up and get slapped by Anoki. Because the reason they would get slapped by Anoki is because Anoki, by slapping them, is releasing his fighting spirit to them. All well, right? That's a good trade-off. Yes. So a lot of times they would line up. You know, we have somebody doing a big match, a big fight. Anoki would slap him, and they would get all pumped up and ready to go. But I swear this happened. And uh, I swear, like, so, you know, Brock Lesnar, when he came down to New Japan... You know, after the whole WWE stuff, you know, went away oh, and he was trying yeah. to look for work and everything. You know, he run he won the belt. He won the, the IWGP belt. But I swear, one of the stories was Anoki wanted to slap him. You know, for because tradition. And Brock was like, yeah. "I ain't doing that shit." So I think that's when he got like a little bit of heat in Japan um, during that exchange. Yeah, Lesnar. Yes. Yeah, that that thing, that whole Lesnar situation. My understanding just went from bad to worse. I mean, he never returned their title. I don't think. Yeah. So, you know, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like, you know, like I said, you know, Anoki, like, you know, obviously his most famous bout probably in America is probably going to be his bout that he had with Muhammad Ali that happened in the later 70s. Um, yeah. You know, obviously the match was like a weird one because, you know, it was booked as boxer versus wrestler, you know, and then, you know, back in the day, you know, people were like, who would win in a shoot fight? You know, would it be, you know, most people thought, you know, especially in America, you know, boxers, that's the fight. That's how you fight. You know, when you, when you, when you fight, people are used to boxers with big gloves, but you know, yeah. in, you know, in Japan or different style, you know, we have kickboxing, we have all kinds of martial arts. It's different, you know? So it, this was like almost its first, this is like almost the first like mixed martial arts match in a way, because you're, you're doing somebody with a totally different style Facing somebody that only has one style to it, so it was just a weird. Matt, have you ever seen that match before? Them two? I've seen parts of it. It's yeah. it's it's actually not that interesting. It's pretty yeah. boring. It's pretty boring because you know um, Noki's no, on his back yeah. most of the time, just kicking his fucking leg. Right, and then mm -hmm. you know uh, Muhammad Ali's staying away from him yeah. like a boxer would. Yeah. So like that's that's such a mismatch in styles. Those two things because boxing is about punching somebody and then backing off. Yes. And wrestling is about grabbing somebody and putting them in a hold. And you know those two things are so different because you know he Muhammad Ali is just used to getting away from somebody, so he's not going to get close enough for you to grab him and put him in a hold. So Inoki had no choice but to lay on his back and try and kick him. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of the first like mixed martial arts uh, match in a way. Probably yeah. not the absolute first, but one of the first that yes. was like that. Exactly. Um, but yeah. Exactly. So just very, very, very interesting um, matchup and styles that, you know, like I said, you know, he also had a you know, political career um, in Japan for many years. And it just like his influence, it's just been, you know, you know, they, I, I heard like one of the other stories, like the, you know, obviously before he passed away, um, 
during one of uh, New Japan's um, anniversary shows, you know, Okada wanted Anoki to 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 be involved with it, you know, because the thing about Anoki with New Japan, you know, after when it came to around the 90s and stuff, he had like a, a really bad relationship with New Japan. It was always like on and yeah. off for a little bit, you know, even though it's the place he created and stuff, like there were still like tensions and stuff between them. You know, he almost even bankrupt New Japan at a time as well, too. So, you know, getting him back into the fold, like, you know, later years, he probably got back into the fold a little bit. Um, but, you know, just one of the most interesting characters in pro wrestling. Like I said, there's just so much to talk to talk to about when it comes to Inoki. But, you know, we're definitely going to celebrate him on the Retro Blood, that's for sure. Yep. One of the most important people in wrestling of all time. Exactly. So, everybody, let's get into some of these production notes on Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. So, this movie is actually pretty interesting. Like I was saying before I got at the beginning of the show, you know, the intent was, okay, Michael Myers is done. All right? Mm-hmm. We're done. We're, we're done with this Michael guy. Yeah, you brought us a bunch of money, but screw you, bro. We're gonna do something else. You know what I mean? So like exactly. And it, you know, and I was thinking too, which we'll talk about. Like, I think this concept would have worked if we didn't call it Halloween. Uh, exactly. Like, I, I really think if they just called this movie Season of the Witch, it would have been a huge hit, and we'd still be having Season of the Witch anthology movies even today. Exactly. So. You know, we had the same writers and and uh, coming back. You know, John Carpenter wrote this film with his writing partner Deborah Hill. Well, n- not kind of. What do you mean? So, so oh, they, they Nigel Neal, yes, yeah, Nigel Neal wrote this originally. Uh, he wrote a script for this that was a little bit different. They changed the script a little bit. But originally, Nigel Neal wrote this, but then he got fed up with Hollywood and went back to England. And then they credited the writing to Tommy Lee Wallace, who directed it, but he didn't really write that much of it, though. Yeah. So it's kind of a collaboration between all of them to get this movie made. Um, so I don't think any of them had a really a finished script, but I, most of the concepts, according to Tommy Lee Wallace, were from Nigel Neal. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I was mistaken. John Carpenter and Deborah here, they were the producers. Yeah. On there. So they were, like, you know, doing their opinions here and there. So, you know, so a couple of things. So this movie, like, you know, it had the Halloween name, but it didn't have the slasher genre to it. So this movie is more like on the like the science fiction and witchcraft side. All right. So, you know, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, they, they believe that the Halloween series could have been an anthology series. You know, different films centered around Halloween night. So, you know, their idea was, you know, if this takes off, you know, every year we'll just come up with the Halloween theme, but it'll be like a different story, like a whole new right. story surrounded by uh, Halloween night. So it'd be like different stories based on Halloween night, which I, like I said, that's a good idea. You know what I mean? Like that is a, that, that'd be a great, you know, TV show, you know, different style movies and stuff. So yeah. definitely the idea is, is definitely, you know, good. Um, so, you know, director Wallace stated that there were many ideas for Halloween themed films, some of which could have potentially created any number of their own sequels and that season of the witch was meant to be the first. So, um, and this, and this movie is pretty interesting too. So the, so this movie is on a budget of, uh, uh, 2.5 million. So Halloween three made a profit by grossing 14.4 million at the box office and in, in the U S but it was the poorest 
performing film in the Halloween series at the time, even though there's only been two. So even though the movie made money, it didn't make as much money as Halloween 2 and then Halloween 1. Yeah, because that's, you know, because that's that's the thing about success in Hollywood, right? Like, I mean, they spent two and a half million dollars on it. So it needs to make five million dollars to pull to make a profit. And it made 14 million, but they considered it a flop. Yeah, it because, didn't make, you know, be, yeah, because it did 300 million or whatever. Yeah, because it didn't beat its previous movie. Right. So, you know, the, the, the reason that probably happened is because, you know, people like us probably went to the movie and like, okay, this movie is good, but where the fuck was Michael Myers? Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Do you think that most of that money came in the early weeks of the, well, I mean, early days even of the of the movie? Because you know, because a lot of people would go to it and assume Michael Myers is going to be in this, but yes. then he wasn't. And then, do you think that it kind of dropped off after that because people were, were telling other people that, hey, Michael Myers is not in this. It, you know, this is not a good movie. Blah blah blah. Uh, even though it is a good movie, yes. but you know it's it's not what people expected. So, do you think that th- that money came in the first few days before people started finding out that Michael Myers was not in it? Yeah, I mean that's that's what I'm, I had to be assuming because I was you know I always take myself and you know put myself in that time period. Okay, what if we went and go watch this movie, you know, movie theaters? You know, obviously we would have saw like the trailer for it, and you know even look at the trailer like you're like okay well. You know, maybe Michael's going to appear somewhere in this. Maybe he'll be Cochran's uh, uh, fucking uh, stepson or some shit, just popping out of nowhere or something. You know? <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I mean, you know, a big thing about movies that we talked about is word of mouth. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So I may be like, you know, maybe our friend John Smith. Uh, went to go see Halloween Three Season Witch, and he told us like, "Hey, this movie is you know not too bad stuff, but there's no slashers, there's barely any titties, and you don't see Michael Myers at all." And we could be like, "Eh, well, I was looking for some tits, and I was looking for Michael Myers, not gonna be there. I'm not gonna watch it." I guess exactly. See, I guess wasted my two dollars and fifty cents. Yeah, to go see it. But you know, maybe later um, on when you rent it at the movie theater, hey, let me give this movie a chance that I, you know, if you come in there with an open mind, like that's the thing about Halloween Season Three. I mean, uh. Season of the Witch. You kind of have to go in with an open mind of it not being part of the Michael Myers, Laurie Strode trilogy. You just got to go in like this yes. is just a normal a movie and let me enjoy it. And if you actually watch it and you and you like we'll talk about it, it's a very enjoyable movie. But it's 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 like I said, it's not like a slasher movie. It's more like a sci- science fiction style movie. So. Yeah, it's like a science fiction witchcraft type movie. Yeah, um, yeah like one of my. Um controversial opinions is this is actually my favorite halloween movie okay okay well i mean can it really count as the halloween trilogy movie or no well i mean you know i count it as part of the series and this the one is right and and it it is my favorite of all of them even i like it i don't think it's the best one but it's my favorite one i I like to watch it i watch halloween three season the witch more than i watch any of the other movies I don't know. I mean, I like this movie a lot, but boy, we're about to re- we're about to do four next week, and I kind of really like that one. So we'll get four to that. is great too. I mean, four is great too. But so a couple of news. So when approached about creating a third Halloween film, original Halloween writers John Carpenter and De- Deborah Hill were reluctant again to pledge a commitment. Mm-hmm. They're just like, "Fuck, can we just get on with 
<laughs> They're like, yeah, I know this shit made but, me money, but you know, I, I've done other stuff. Have you seen The Fog? Have you seen The Fog? Come have on, you guys. Seen the Fog. The Fog was good. You should watch uh-huh. this movie. But then let me guess, Erwin wrote them a check. <laughs> yeah, that's a, pretty much. So Erwin <laughs> <laughs> wrote them a check, so they came back again. Yes. So so pretty much, but also too like they agreed because uh they they basically they agreed to be on it if if the if the Halloween three was not a sequel to Halloween two. So they basically came on board, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill did, basically if Michael Myers would not be the focus of the film. And of course Erwin right. and Mustafa Khan, they agreed. So they agreed to all that. Uh, you know, a lot of the special effects is by the artist Don Post. You know, um he's the one that made those uh iconic masks that we see in Halloween three, which I thought they were very, very creative idea that they did with this with this. I mean, think of the marketing. I mean you know what I mean? Like you have this Halloween three season in which we have these three particular masks. I mean, they should have sold like a shit ton of those. Well, I'm sure they did. Well, so you got to consider too that so Don Post is a mask manufacturer. They make Halloween masks, mm-hmm. um, and they're his, his the Don Post masks from the '60s and the '70s are super collectible now. Like they're very, very, very expensive when you buy them, like two or three, four hundred dollars sometimes, maybe sometimes more. Um, the the ones they put out for this uh, movie, these these masks are very, very expensive if you buy original ones. Um, they've been repressed many, many, many times. In fact, you can probably go to the Spirit store, Spirit Halloween is what they call it. You can probably go to that and you could buy all three of these. But um, the original versions of these are really, really expensive now. And um, this is one of the things I remember about being a little kid during this time was all the Don Post masks. And they just look really cool because they're all rubber masks and they all fit terribly um, when you put them on, but they look really cool. Um, and there's tons of them. I mean, he made hundreds of masks over those years, maybe thousands of masks. Who knows? Um, but yeah, so he he was a mask maker already. He made the original uh, Michael Myers mask. The, well, he made the Captain Kirk mask that they made the Michael Myers mask out of. And... They so they got him. They didn't have a lot of money for props in this, even though they spent more on this than any of the other ones. They uh, they got him to make the jack lantern mask, and then the other two masks were masks that were already in the production line. Um, so that's the story behind the masks, from my understanding, at least. Yes. So a couple other news. So Hill told Fangoria that the film was supposed to be a pod movie, not a knife movie. Do you know what a pod right. movie is? Like uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers is a pod movie. Yes. So oh, yeah. and that's like, actually so they get kidnapped and then they there's people that come out of a pod and take your place. Or yeah, but hey, remember pod anything people. that gets out of a box gets over, brother. Mm-hmm. That's an old Jim Cornette thing. Yep. <laughs> so I mean, he's right. Yeah. So you know, this movie actually took a lot of uh, um, you know, uh, uh, homage. Did I say that right? Uh, I think so, yeah. Homage. Homage to the invasion of the Bonnie Snatchers. Mm -hmm. So the fictional town of Santamra was the original setting of invasion of the Bonnie Snatchers and named as such in Halloween 3 as a homage to to the invasion of the Bonnie Snatchers film. Aspects of the plot provided very similar as well. Chess has snatching bodies and replacing them with androids. Um, Halloween 3's subtitle also comes from a George A. Romero second film, Season of the Witch. Yes. Also known as Hungry Wives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, buddy. 
those two titles don't seem like they go together, but I used to have Season of the Witch, uh, the Romero movie on VHS, but I don't know if I've ever watched it. I don't think it's a horror film, but I could be wrong. Yeah. And of course, Romero's story is way different because his story involved housewives becoming involved in witchcraft. So, you know. Oh, so there is witchcraft in it. Okay. Yeah, there's a little bit, so. Um, of course, you know, we'll talk about some of the, you know, obviously this is, uh, you know, we talked about this a little bit in the uh, last last uh, week's review, but, uh, you know, John Carpenter and, you know, that crew, they like to hire their own, you know, actors they worked with before. And of course, you know, the main actor in this film, uh, Tom Enkins, uh, he was, of course, in um, John Carpenter's The Fog, and he was also, uh, he was also in, from uh, Escape from New York at this time. So he's already a seasoned John Carpenter actor and of course we brought him over here and boy did they make this guy a playboy we'll talk about that here in a little bit we'll, we'll, i was about to say we'll talk about that <laughs> this fucking guy um and of course you know the girl who played um um Ankins's wife linda in this movie was also the same girl who played uh, annie in the original halloween she is back as well too um uh, she's a really small role playing um um Ankins's wife on here um, so, you know, the directing is pretty interesting. You know, you brought up um, uh, Joe Dante, you know, was originally you know, hired to direct this film and write it too. Uh, but I guess he quit to do Twilight Zone, the movie. Ooh, wow. So, and that yes. turned out uh, to be a bad choice. Yeah. Oops. But, so he did that just weeks before, you know, the photography and schedule to start on this movie of April 19, 1982. So this was the, the debut of Tommy Lee Wallace. Uh, he was a he was uh, not a newcomer to the Halloween series. Wallace had had several has art director and production designer for John Carver's original Halloween, and he had also previously yeah. declined to direct Halloween two in nineteen eighty one, but he decided to do Halloween. So, so this is also interesting what he did after this. You know, Wallace also directed other horror films such as Fright Night Part Two, nineteen eighty eight, which we'll probably talk about here in a little while. He did Vampires in two thousand two. So he's done, you know, some horror after this too. But this was his uh, director debut, and I thought he did a good job. You know, I would say like definitely some good shots in yeah, there. Yeah, for yeah, for sure. I think he's a good director. So th- this is also pretty interesting too, uh, and then we'll get into the movie here in a second. So this is according to Tom Enkins about the uh, the gore in Halloween Three of the lack thereof. Um, so the effects in this film aren't bloody. They're more bizarre than gross. Special effects and makeup artist Tom Berman uh, concurred, stating in an interview, the movie is really not out to disgust people. It's a fun movie with a lot of thrills in it. Not a lot of random, gratuitous gore. So, you know, at this particular time, you know, 1982, like, you know, we, 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 we're starting to get more of, like, the gory stuff happening, you know? But, you know, I still like the movies where, you know, we don't need the gore. Like, it's more about the plot. You know, and I think Halloween three season, which has a very good plot, like it's one of those plot you want to pay attention to and see what's happening, you know, compared to like, okay, we just got some tits and we got some nice and we're just slashing people. Uh, Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it's a plot you want to pay attention to, um, but don't think about it too much. (laughs) Yes. So, and of course, you know, the music again, made by our boy, John Carpenter and Alan Horworth. And Alan Horworth. Yeah. So anytime, I mean, there, we talked about this in every Carpenter review and stuff. You can definitely tell when it's his music. All right. Yeah. So th- I actually thought this movie had some really good music to it. 
So yeah, I, th- I think I also think it has maybe the best soundtrack too. Like that song, yeah. um, "Chariots of Pumpkins." I love that. That's so good. Yeah, definitely a fun one. Definitely some good stuff there. So, like I said, this is a very interesting um, timeline when it comes to the Halloween series. But uh, like I said, I can't wait t- to talk about it. So let's get into it, everybody. Let's get into the full review of Halloween Three: Season of the Witch. Halloween Three. Season of the Witch, the night no one comes home. You don't really know much about Halloween. Halloween. The barriers will be down between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red. Halloween, the children. You happen to know anything about this Cochran? All I can tell you, mister, is watch out. He's watching you, friend, I guarantee you that. Trick or treat, trick or treat. Hey, Mr. Cochran, just what is the final process? Fellas, I was just kidding. Witchcraft. To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. Hey! Where are they taking her? They're taking her to the factory. I want a mask! Can I have a mask? Uh, just what I had in mind for you, little buddy. Why, Cocker? Why? Do I need a reason? I've got nothing here to indicate there was ever a body at all. Operator, this is an emergency. I do love a good joke, and this is the best ever. A joke on the children. I'm glad you'll be able to watch it. You've got to believe me. They're going to kill us. All of us. Stop it! The world's going to change tonight, Doctor. Happy Halloween. Stop it! All right, so we get an intro. It's a flashing, well, it's kind of like a TV, and it's like, you could tell it's trying to make a pumpkin. So we have the Halloween tradition of having a pumpkin pumpkin for the intro. <laughs> but this pumpkin is TV pumpkin. TV pumpkin. All right. So we're in Northern, Northern California. All right, it's dark outside. We see this guy. He's running. And it's also October the 23rd. It's a Saturday. Guy's running everywhere, and there's some car following him. All right? The guy's, like, out there knocking on some doors. He looks like a little older guy, just running away. And we see this car following him. And then we see these guys in suits kind of following him as well. Um, And then eventually he's, like, in this, like, dump area. With cars? What do you call it? Uh, a car lot? Yeah, it's like a, yeah. Right. Like a garage. Kind of like a garage, I guess. Yeah. A garage-like structure. Garage-like uh. structure, yes. <laughs> and we have this guy in a suit just like choking his ass. All right? And he doesn't say anything. He's just like very stoic. These suit guys are very stoic. And our boy, he he gets away by, he grabs a chain and he lets a, like a car off the, uh, off the brick and then smashes into this guy. And then he uh, he gets away a little bit, and then more suits guys show up, and then he just runs all the way off. 
So, um, <laughs> and then like when the guy got crushed in the suit, like that was actually pretty funny. Like he basically kind of almost like no sold it. It was a, it was a little funny. Well, yeah, we'll find out why later though. Yes. Yeah, so, he totally no sells. Yes. So now there's one hour later. It's raining outside. All right. We're at a gas station. All right. We got our boy uh, over here at the gas station just uh, watching a news program talking all about Stonehenge. Mm-hmm. Ooh, plot point. Um, <laughs> so everybody remember Stonehenge. Remember that. <laughs> Do you remember these stories about Stonehenge there, Allison? Um. Mm-hmm. I can't say I have any good stories about Stonehenge. I know it's a very uh, um, uh, famous place in England that they had uh, druids and things went to. And um, it's a very famous place that if part of it disappeared, that people would probably notice. Yeah. You know, the biggest thing about Stonehenge, like everybody thinks it got put there because they're not sure how it got there. They think it got put there by like uh, extraterrestrials. So, mm. so we're, this is when we get the Silver Shamrock commercial. Eight more yep. days till Halloween, Halloween. <laughs> eight more yeah. days till Halloween, Silver <laughs> Shamrock. Okay. Yeah, you'll hear it a few times in this movie. Yes. And then uh, this is when we get... Uh, um, <laughs> and then the, the, they're like showing the different masks you can get. You know, they're showing like... We have the three main masks. We have the which one? We had the pumpkin mm-hmm. one, and we had the skeleton yep. one. Allison, which one would you pick? Oh, I was going to ask you the same thing. Um, I would definitely pick the skeleton one. Okay, because I would definitely do the pumpkin one. So we're a little bit okay. of, we're different. So we, you know, yes, yeah, so that means we wouldn't be fighting over the same mask, and we have to have somebody to wear the witch mask, and yeah, we'd be good to go. Well, Bethany's good with the witch mask, so we're good to go. There you go. Perfect. Boom. Got it right there, brother. We are ready to go. We are we are shamrocked out. All right. Yeah, ready to go on our trick or treating. Uh, excursion so i'm a i'm a little bit of a halloween mask connoisseur a little bit so they told me these masks glow in the dark there is no way that these fucking masks glow in the dark (laughs) okay i don't i thought i thought only the skeleton one glow in the dark they said all of them fucking glow in the dark and that's a lot okay yeah there's no way the pumpkin one glows in the dark yeah like i don't know how you can make orange (laughs) paint glow in the dark i've never seen that but maybe it's possible well shamrock can do it brother they're good (laughs) So the the gas station worker, he's, he hears some shit. He's like, "Oh fuck!" We look around everything, and then bam! Here runs in that old guy from earlier. The fucking he has the mm-hmm. pumpkin mask. He's a good choice. He picked the pumpkin one. He has that in his hand, basically yeah. saying like, "They're all gonna kill us and shit. They're coming for us." And he passes out. And then we see the suits. They're kind of like stalking him. So this is when we meet Tom Aiken's character, Dan Chillis. <laughs> all right, yes. he is a family man. He, All right, he, he has is. about two kids, and he has a well, it looks like a wife right here. But later on, we find out it's his ex-wife. And I'm yeah, not so really I was gonna sh- ask, okay. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I was gonna ask you that question because I don't. Do they make it clear that they, that she's his ex-wife? Well, he said it in passing. Okay, here Cause in a they, little because um, I've watched this movie, like I said, several times, and I've watched it a couple of times this week, so I didn't really remember that. But uh, but the movie makes it seem like he just shows up at their house. And then disappears. So he doesn't actually, you know, he doesn't. They don't actually make clear at this point what their relationship is status is. Well, Doctor Dan is. uh, Yeah. Let's just say uh, this guy he is a little bit of a playboy, and we'll figure that out soon. 
Yeah, if he is divorced, I know why. Yes. We'll put it that way. So, Dr. Dan, uh, I, I, that's what I'm going to say. I'm not going to say his last name, even though they said it a bunch. Of, I like Dr. Dan better. So, Dr. Dr. Dan, Dan over here is, he gives his kids a mask. And they're like, I don't want this cheap dollar store shit. <laughs> I want that shamrock mask. And, and Linda's like, oh, don't worry about it. I got them these masks already. And, of course, the kids, they're all happy about the Halloween. They're happy about putting their mask on. And they're happy about, uh, you know, watching the TV about the, that commercial. And you can see that the uh, Linda and uh, Dr. Dan don't have the best relationship. You know, doctor got called in to work. And Linda's like, okay, well, you just got here. Now you got to leave the work and everything. And he's like, oh, this is emergency and stuff. And he's like, I'll promise I'll pick up the kids um, here a little bit. So, you know, I think, you know, you could kind of tell that at the time they're probably divorced. And then Linda's mad because it was her time to be free from the kids. And, and Dan had to go away for the job. So she's a little mad. So this is when... Um, this is when we get back to the hospital because we find out, you know, Dr. Dan, he's a doctor. He is a doctor. <laughs> the gas station guy, he brought in the guy from the hospital. And he was, this guy was pretty funny. He's all like, listen, I mean, I just brought this guy in and stuff. He just passed out in front of me and stuff. I was just trying to be all nice and everything. You know, that's what you're supposed to do when somebody passes out. But then again, is this guy starts acting weird and shit, I'm just going to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite part where he's <laughs> like... When the guy, what's the guy say? He's like, they're coming to kill us or something like that. Yeah. And the guy, the like, cast runs off. is like, all right, yeah. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, because he hears that commercial and he's like, like, like you hear the Shamrock commercial in the background. The guy's like, oh, they're all going to kill us. And then the gas station guy's like, oh, okay, I'm just getting out of here. Them crazy white people. I'm done. I'm done with this. So this is when they finally got the uh, the old guy to kind of rest and stuff. And, you know, he's still clutching the, the Halloween mask in his hand. And this is when we get one of the suits, the suits guy, they show up. Um, so now, like, Dr. Dan is talking to his nurse. He's like, okay, we don't have anybody left here, so we'll just leave him alone so he can get some sleep. Um, and then somehow, Dr. Dan said, I should have married you, nurse. And then he pinches her butt. Yes. So th <laughs> th this guy, he got his, uh, he's dipping in all the candy apples, brother. If you don't know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. So he, <laughs> it's a good way to put it. He's dipping in the candy apples. But uh, but yeah, so uh, so we start to see why he might be divorced, if that is indeed the case. But um, they also, I guess, had different kind of uh, sexual harassment rules in, in 1982 than they would No, nah, man, today. you just pinch everybody's butt. Fuck that's, I guess that's just that's just the thing. So we have that's some, what you can do now. so we have the suit walking. He's in the hospital now. Dr. Dan sleeping on the sofa, just re relaxing. And then, of course, this is when we get the suit. He puts his gloves on, and he starts choking the older guy out. It looks like he, like, put his mouth over his... No, put his hand over his mouth, and then he grabbed his two eyeballs. He, like, <laughs> ripped his face, kind of, but not off. Yeah. Like, he yeah, ripped, yeah, like, the like inside of his face yeah. or something. Like, he broke his face or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to describe, but he, like... And he puts his hand fingers at his eyeballs and then, like, kind of, like, breaks his face like the yeah. top where his nose is my favorite uh, it, part it was definitely gross <laughs> my favorite part is when he wiped his hands on the curtain <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why i found that yeah. funny it's like okay uh, oh, like, like, <laughs> evidence he needs that shit <laughs> so the nurse comes in there she starts screaming and freaking out of course dr cam's on there she's like like that man he, he he killed him she couldn't barely even talk and stuff and of course ankin goes to uh you know confront the guy the suit guy and the suit guy just goes to his car, 
Gets some gasoline, he pours it on himself, and just blows his ass up. Yeah. He doesn't drive away. No. Oh. Like he could have pretty yeah. clearly just driven away. But um he yeah, he sets himself on fire and blows the blows the car up. Um also I noticed they don't call the police or anything. Like you hear sirens coming. Yeah. But nobody nobody calls the police or anything like that with the burning car outside. Well we cut to a all. scene where all the you know the, the cops are here now. And this no, is Yeah, little- they show up. Yeah. Yes. And this is when Dr. Dan's there and like he's calling up Linda saying like, hey, I can't really pick up the kids and stuff. And Linda's pissed. She's like, what the fuck? He's like, well, this guy just blew himself up. She's not listening at all. He's like, okay, I'll pick him out and I'll take him trick or treating, I swear. <laughs> so, you know, you could you could tell and uh, that they're having uh, he's like, you know, trust, he's like, hey, I'll be there on Saturday and I'll pick him up by 10, 10 o'clock. Good to go. So the cops are like doing some investigation and eventually Dr. Grant Dr. Dan, he grabs the pumpkin mask. Oh. Mm-hmm. So it was now Sunday the 24th. The car is still outside a little bit to smoke on them. Uh, the police are looking around. Um, and eventually, uh, the old guy who got killed, the, his daughter, comes in. Illy. Illy Greenbridge has entered the movie. And they're like, hey, is this your dad? And then she's like, oh, crap, that is my dad. And they're like, she's like, well, what happened? She's like, well, <laughs> this cop was like this. He's like, oh, yeah, some uh, crazy man just came in here and killed him. He's probably on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> more uh, more drugs. Remember yeah. from uh, the Fulci movies, the yeah. cops are always like, there's drugs in here. Yeah, there's drugs. I mean, duh, that's what happened. And she's like, so you're telling me there's just some crazy man that just came in here and killed my cop he was on drugs it's like ah well listen man looks like you've had a long night so you need to go rest now (laughs) (laughs) thanks 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 please i gotcha so this is when dr dan he you know he he recognized because he was in the room too and he he sees her crying in the hallway and stuff and he feels a little bad or does he he's probably just like oh look at this hot piece of ass that just walked in (laughs) probably (laughs) so now it's wednesday um the 27th now, or the, uh, no, this is the Wednesday, the 25th now. We're in the corners yeah. room, all right? Uh, this is when we meet uh, Teddy. She is mm-hmm. the, uh, I guess she's like a, oh, what do you call those things? You know, they check, make sure the, the body parts or who they are and stuff, a DNAist or something like that. A DNAist, yeah, yeah. a DNAist, yeah, I'm pretty sure. A DNAist, yeah. all right? <laughs> Yeah, she's uh she's the one who's going through all the ashes on the table, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She she doesn't that character doesn't really leave that table for the entire movie. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah. I was like maybe they Except just for one scene. Maybe they filmed her all in one day. Like all her scenes <laughs> probably, in one day. Probably. I mean, she's sitting at that table through the entire film. Yeah, so so this is when, you know, Dr. Dan, he's talking to her and he's basically like, you know, like it's kind of, he's like, this guy didn't really look like he was on drugs when he came in here. Like he looked like he knew he was doing the whole time. Like he wasn't like wigging out and stuff. And she's like, okay, well, you know, he's basically saying, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you just like on a personal thing, get some of these ashes and just expect to see if he was on drugs or not? And she's like, sure, you know. And then we noticed that our fucking Dr. Dan was hitting on her too. Yep. I was like, damn, man. So like, She's all like, she's like looking at him hard and everything. She's like, okay, we're going to go out. You know, you can take me out sometime. And then she just fucking just kisses him. I'm like, damn, this motherfucker. Okay, so we established in the movie so far. Yeah, we established in the movie so far that Dr. Dan had an ex-wife. 
you know, he mm-hmm. probably doesn't do anything sexual too much with Linda. Maybe, you know, he just has to go there, pick up the kids. Gotcha. The yeah. nurse, he might have something going on with the nurse because he pinched her butt. He could just be playing mm-hmm. around. Okay. He saw uh, um, Illy. You know, he's like, okay, this is a nice piece of ass. And then now he's fucking around this teddy girl. Gotcha. Yep. So we got this that part established. So now it is Friday the 29th. Um, our boy, the Dr. Dan, is drinking in like a little bar. And he's watching like a cartoon and everything. And he eventually tells the the bartender, like, hey, can you turn that turn a different channel? And the guy turns it onto a the Halloween one trailer. So yeah. fucking you guys wanted Michael Myers, <laughs> but motherfucker is in this movie. He right? is in this movie, yeah. So you can't say he wasn't. I saw him on the screen. There he was. So stop bitching. Alright. And then the, yeah. the Shamrock commercial comes on. Alright. And then he's like, oh fuck, can you just change that shit out of here? He's like, You're not in the spirit? <laughs> he's like, No. No. And this person on some sports. So this is when Illy comes in. She meets Dr. Dan. She's like, hey, you know, hey, what's up? You know, I know who you are and stuff. And, you know, can you tell me what my dad said? You know, if, if anything, he was all like, yeah, your dad, is, your dad said I love uh, Ilya so much. He's like, huh, I know you're lying. And she leaves. <laughs> and he's, he's, like, like, <laughs> he's like, go ahead. And he's like, yeah, he's like, no, he really said they're coming and they're going to kill us all or something like that. Yeah. And then she instantly believes that. She's like, oh, yes. No, you did talk to my dad. Yeah. yeah exactly. She's like, your dad said some crazy <laughs> stuff. I can't get out of my head. So he's going to kill us all. All right. Um, so then this is when um, this is when the daughter, Ilya, she brings uh, Dr. Dan to the to the to her dad's old Halloween store. All right. And she's all of a sudden like, yeah, you know. Yep. The store used to be very popular, but all those corporations came in and people barely come around here and stuff. And, you know, I was going through his diary and stuff and it looks like he planned everything out. And like one of the dates was him, like October 20th, going picking up some more masks. And then he had the 21st dinner with uh, at Minery and he never showed up. Yep. And he said like, so basically the timeline is saying there's something between when he was going to go pick up the mask and go to this dinner and the place I found that the mask... Um, Headquarters that is at Santa Maria. Yeah, it's so, kind of convenient that that he wrote down every single thing he was going to do. Exactly. Well, he was he planned everything out exactly yeah, to, the, to the dot, brother. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Uh-huh. And she was saying like you know that's where some of the troubles at, and that's where they make all the masks. That's where their big factory is out. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm not leaving California till I know what happened. And then Doctor Dan, this is when we see. Um, him calling Linda. And he has like a... So basically... Can't... can't go ahead. Make it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't I make it again. I can't make it again. <laughs> I can't make it on Saturday. Pick him up at 10. Um, see, what happened was I got to go to this uh, uh, convention. I'm not really sure what the hotel is. And like he's talking to her on a payphone while right. he is in the car, while he has a pack of Miller Lite, brother. Like, you know exactly. what his... Con- Listen, you cannot tell me what Dr. Dan's intentions were. He did not care about finding this this fucking dead daddy or whatever. He wanted to go on this trip with this hot piece of ass, brother. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. He doesn't mm-hmm. care about these masks. There's no, yeah. there's nothing she said that could convince him about these masks. Yeah, he was in, thinking in the amount of time. He's just like, I want to go with her so I can get in that ass. Yes, he was. He was basically like, okay, I can go pick up my fucking kids and take them trick or treating on Saturday, or I got this hot piece of ass. You know that Teddy girl really ain't doing it for me no more. So. I think I'm going to go with the hot piece of ass in this dangerous uh, yeah. territory I've never been before. Sounds good. 
Yeah, absolutely. So they, they drive off. All right. And then they're talking about, you know, how the factory is in the middle of nowhere. Um, this is when Dr. Tan's talking about the history. Uh, they're talking about the history of the of the town. They're talking about the history of the Samrock. Um, how and then they were kind of weird. I was like, yeah, this is kind of weird that the uh, that the Irish have some sort of <laughs> Halloween factory. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really funny too. Because like, well, like, how dare the Irish have? They just know for beer, not Halloween masks. What the hell? They're like like and 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 a lot of some one of them says and a lot of them are, are strangely Irish. <laughs> yes. And then the first person they meet when they get there is Irish. Yeah, the Irish yes. accent. Like if they just brought all these Irish people yeah. over. And apparently, factory. and apparently Shamrock is the largest manufacturer of making Halloween mask. That was also one of them. Yeah, and we see, first thing we see is a creepy gas station guy. And then, we, of course, we have the Dublin Inn. Uh-huh. Uh, so now in the town, right when they drive into this town, the Santa Maria, like, everybody just stares at them fucking crazy. Like, they're all just staring at them throughout the whole fucking thing. And they're noticing it, too, and they're like, and then the, the uh, uh, Illy was all like, man, I feel like a goldfish. <laughs> okay. He's like, well, I mean, they are driving really slow down the middle of town. Yeah. And there's like nobody around there. Right. So, so basically when they stop and everything, uh, we also notice there's some security cameras around this town too, following them up. And this is like, okay. And they, they drive up to the factory and, and Dr. Dad's like, okay, we need a plan over here. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to go, we go to the gas station and see if they know anything, but they're also going to get us a room and we're going to pretend like we're a married couple and we're buyers. All right. So they go to the hotel to go check in and yep, Dublin Inn. the Dublin Inn, brother. Uh, they asked for a room. Um, the, the, the room attendant, the, the manager of the hotel, he says, you know, we got, we got, it's quiet. It's cozy, and we had the right price for you. Okay, so you know, mostly with this town, they they get they don't get a lot of outsiders, but when they do, they usually are the people who are coming into town to buy a big shipment for the mask. This is when Doctor Dan goes off, you know, right when the 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 hotel guy is showing the room, and they're trying to figure out if uh, if uh, Illy's dad stayed at this hotel. So he pays the fee, and <laughs> the guy like looks in their trunk and says, "Oh, you like Packer?" He's like, "Yep." And this is when we get the first notion of, hey, that's Connell Cochran driving past by. He made this town. God, what a great guy he is, Cochran. Yep, his factory made the town. Exactly. So he's a great man. So this is when Dr. Dan's driving, you know, he's walking back, and then boom, this bicycle almost hits him. And this is when we meet uh, the family... The, the Buddy Cooper family. Yeah. Or Cuffer. The Buddy Cuffer family. I just called them the Buddy family throughout the whole thing. So, you know, just a normal family. And he is basically he's there to bring his family in there because he is there to pick up some shipments um, from the Shamrock. And he also is the, the highest um, seller that uh, sells the Halloween mask there. So he brought his whole family there to take a tour of the Shamrock factory um and then this time they have a kid you know he grabs his bike and he just runs right off and then when dr dan's run into the room too he runs into another girl uh, <laughs> uh margie and she is complaining that she they didn't have her order ready so she has to stay at this shitty hotel again 
<laughs> and then Dr. Dan finally gets into the room. And he's like, damn, it's like a zoo out there. <laughs> <laughs> With all these weirdos that are just running around outside. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then, uh, and then here comes one of my favorite parts of the movie. All right. So he's like, all right, you know, it's a zoo out there, you know, and, you know, we're here and we're going to figure out, you know, if your dad stayed here and stuff like that. You know, I paid the room fee and everything and, you know, we're going to want to get some more clues out here. But we have to, you know, we're posing as a married couple and stuff. And she's like, hey, are you cool with staying here for like a day or two? And and then, uh, you know, Dr. Dan's like, yeah, I think I can last in these clothes for another day. And he's like, well, you know, should I, uh, you know, should I sleep and should I get another room? Or should I like sleep in the car? Or what do you think I should do? And Illy's like, because she's fucking amazed by this fucking doctor, you know, fucking Tom Enkin. You know, this guy had a stash for days. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? He had that dad bod going on. You know what I mean? Yeah, she's she's and, definitely impressed by boy, Dr. Dan. She she was like, you know, I didn't even drink the beer. He, he didn't even need the beer, all right, for his game. She was all like, well, where do you want to sleep? And our boy. Well, that's a stupid question. <laughs> That's a stupid question. <laughs> and then they just fucking kiss. I mean, like, fuck, there was no... I mean, this girl... This is like a 180. This girl is crying about her dead dad who probably got kidnapped and killed by the secret organization and she had one thing on her mind and that's to get in the pants of Dr. Dan, brother. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, I mean, Dr. Dan is super charismatic, apparently. It's true. It's like, everybody loves Dr. Dan. I mean, everybody fuck, loves- yeah. just move over GQ magazine. This motherfucker walking in here <laughs> taking all the piss. In 1982, brother. He didn't care. All right? <laughs> Fuck that teddy girl. She sucked anyway. All right? But I'm still going to have her do things for me because I'm a playboy like that. <laughs> right. Exactly. So so they start kissing everything. So now, like, now we get the outside area. It's, you know, getting a little dark. And now there's a 6 p.m. curfew. All right? And we see a bunch of scenery. So, you know, everything on John Carpenter's movies are pretty cool because we always get, like, these scenery shots. You know? I like that. You know, I think more movies need to use that, like scenery shots. You know, like okay, this is this is the pieces that we have, and there's some shit about to happen at each one of these spots. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is when you know the the town's closing down everything, and we have the nighttime camera looking around everything. We have a cat loose and everything around there. Uh, this is when Doctor Dan he runs into a homeless guy. All right, the guy's like, "Oh man, hey, uh, I didn't mean to run into you. That bottle looked kind of heavy." I'm like, what the fuck? He's like, hey, can you mind if I take a swing? I don't got no diseases or nothing. <laughs> and he's like, just and let them drink. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> he just lets yeah, them sure, drink. Sure, homeless man, drink from my bottle. Yeah. And then he's like, hey, man, uh, what's up with this Cochrane guy? He's like, oh, yeah, that, that, that Cochrane, he made this city. You know, he basically <laughs> brought his factory over here, and he brought all these corporate factory guys, and he didn't want to hire local people like me. So yep, he made this turn me town down flat. Yeah, turn me down flat and made this town to a shithole. All right, and he's like, look, Even man. You know he built the town. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then um, he's like, listen, man, you see them cameras over there? He's always watching you. He's watching us right now. Hey, Cochran, fuck you. <laughs> All right, you know what I'm gonna do this Halloween? I'm gonna get me some of those Molotov cocktails and I'm gonna blow that factory up. You heard that shit? I said it. I've heard the rumors. <laughs> this is gonna be the last Halloween for them. And then he just walks off like complaining. It's like it's like two more days till Halloween. Halloween. Two more days till Halloween. 
just kept saying that. Yep. And then, of course, we get the suit guys. Uh, they're, they're starting to show up. And then, of course, the suit guys show up. And, of course, the drunk guy's like, oh, shit, I was just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and then they rip his fucking head off. So. Yep. So we're back at the motel. All right. Um, this is when... Um, so, uh, Ida, she gets scared uh, by the Margie girl. You know, because she's walking. She got herself like a soda. So she got a little bit scared by the... And, uh, you know, Margie's like, oh, hey, what's up? Uh, are you one of the buyers here, too? Uh, she's like, man, they can't figure out my order and stuff. And to be honest with you, you know, some of their quality lately has been a little, little crazy. I mean, look at this. The logo is just coming right out the mask and stuff. Um, so, she, you know, they start cocking everything. And um, she's like, hey, yeah, like, I, I own my own store and stuff. And I come and pick up my order. They said they're going to have it ready for me tomorrow. But, like, this stuff is, like, almost kind of cheap. But, you know, they're, like, the best thing in town. So... Mm-hmm. And then they, they both go um, back into their rooms after that, after meeting each other. Uh, so this is when um, Ilya, she's taking a shower and she actually dries herself off with the whole sheet. Which I don't know why I found that weird. <laughs> I found the <laughs> strangest thing in the movie. Yeah, I was like, okay, she, she had a towel, but she's like, fuck this towel. I'm going to get this sheet. I was like, well, yeah, fuck, she, I mean, she... we might need that sheet later. Why'd you get it all wet and shit? <laughs> Now, there's a reason that she's in the sheet. We'll get to that in a second. And our girl yeah. Margie, she reads a book. All right? Um, so, this is when we have Dr. Dan. He is calling Teddy. You know, his former piece of ass now. Uh, and she's like, hey, did you get any news about that guy who died in the car? She's like, nah, that's kind of weird. Like, they, they only gave me, I think they like, mixed it up or something. They only gave me some, like, car parts and burnt stuff, like... You know, there should be like bones and stuff in here or something, but I don't, I don't have anything. So I, you know, I read, I, I sent him to send me some more stuff and maybe correct the order and stuff. He's like, okay, well, just you know, let me know when you, when you get more research in, you know, and I'll take you out later, sweetie. It's like, oh, this fucking playboy. Even though he's not, not about to know he's gonna get some ass. Um, <laughs> so now, uh, Doctor Dan now walks back into his room. All right. And uh, our girl Illy, she is under the under the 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 the, the blanket. Now I'm not sure if this blanket's mm-hmm. wet or not because she dried herself off in it, but she's under there. You know, worried, stressed about her dad. It's a weird town. Everybody's spying on her and stuff. And she was just thinking, you know what? I need me some of that Dan, Doctor Dan. I need me some of that Candy Apple Brother. So she fucking yeah, only one thing to do. Yeah, only one thing to do. Oh, and then uh, Doctor Dan, you know, he brought in some Chinese too. So you know, he was ready to uh, get it on, brother. So she takes off the blanket, and bam, she just goes right for it, and they start going at it. And I was like, damn, okay, I see how it is. He's coming here for some <laughs> some vacation loving, brother. Um, and uh, so <laughs> so they're finished. They're, they're already done. They 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 got it on. Right, it's like nighttime out there, and then that commercial comes on because they had the radio playing. Like you know, our boy wants some uh, some Barry White going on over here. You know, he wants some George yeah. Michael. He wants some of that love making music. What does he get? He gets his fucking yeah. Shamrock commercial. Yeah, well, yeah, you gotta have music dur- during, right? Yeah, gotta yeah, can't on. be silent. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's like talking about the days before Halloween. He's like, I'll oh, get this crap out of here. And then, <laughs> and then the line of the night, his kisser and everything is all like. So how old are you? (laughs) (laughs) 
She's all I like, I love this. Like, like, at kissing. this point, he's asked. <laughs> yeah, after he's like fucking just did all kinds of anking shit on her. Uh, he he's uh, yeah, uh, he's yeah. asking her how old she is. She's like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm not old enough. I look older than I look. <laughs> it's like fuck, bitch. Fuck. Or, or Bro, she, she, she they do not I'm, I like younger than I am or something. Bro, like that. They did yeah. not care in the '80s. You know, nowadays they'd be like, fuck, how old are you? Oh, I look older. Than I am. Are you sure? Because <laughs> I ain't trying to get locked up, brother. So uh, well, yeah, but I mean, now now everybody's all like, you know squeamish about stuff like that but i mean you know she's like in her 20s and he's like in his 40s and i mean yeah that's not the end of the world right no no that should be fine so the margie girl she's finished reading her book she looks at Mm -hmm. the logo chip that fell off the mask she's like looking at it and she's like oh like there's like a chip in here so she takes one of her hair clips messes around with it and then we get the famous blue light it has returned to the retro blood the famous 80s blue light has returned to the retro blood And it but basically shoots right into her mouth. Yeah. And then Illy's like, hey, what was that? And my boy, after he's like fucking all up on her, he's like, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> who cares? This fucking guy. Uh, his care. What? A, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'll, 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 it's very interesting how they did his character at the beginning of the film. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty funny. So. After then we see you know Margie's face basically from this blue light it basically her face got like kind of blown up and shit then we have a bug coming out of her mouth so yeah there's a lot of bugs in this yeah so Which, I guess like I the cool. chip fucks up your face and then you 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 spit out bugs everywhere yeah yeah kind of it kind of blows it up your face and then you then bugs come out of your mouth yeah what's left of your mouth so I guess after uh, Doctor Dan and and Grimbridge got it on. Uh, he hears a noise. It's still at nighttime, and he sees like the uh, kind of like the lab suit crew, and they come out there and stuff, wondering what's going on. This is when this is when we get Cochrane in flesh comes out, saying like, "Ah, oh, nothing to see here, folks. You know, we just had a little accident. Don't worry, she will get the finest treatment that I could provide." And he's like, "Oh, where are you gonna take her?" So I'm gonna take her to the factory. I mean, <laughs> that. <laughs> Well, why not? That's, we have we have the, we best, the best medical care. I mean, come on, duh! You don't know this. <laughs> Fuck! I thought you were a doctor. <laughs> so <they're, laughs> and then and then they talk about something about misfire. All right, and then like um, and then uh, doctor, I was like misfire. What are they talking about? And then Ellie's like, okay, I think we should go slowly back inside. Um, so after they get in there, they're, they're kind of talking about like, yo, what's going on over here? Misfire. Like, what does that mean? And, and he's like, do you want to get out of here? She's like, yes, I do. But I can't leave until I figure out what's going on with my dad. We have to get into that factory somehow. All right. And then this is when all the crew brings the whole body back to the fa- factory. Um, so now it's morning time. All right. It's Saturday the 30th. All right. Dr. Dan calls Teddy again. Um, and then she's like, hey, you know, somebody might be like messing with me and stuff because like they didn't send me any bodies or nothing. They just sent me a bunch of like car parts and stuff. So like, I don't know what's going on with here. And he's and then um, and then Dr. Dan was like, OK, well, can you do me a favor? Can you can you do some research on who this Connell Cochran is? And she's like, OK, and she's like. He's like, okay, well, only if you take me out to dinner. He's like, yeah, I'll do that. All right, fine, sure, fine. 
So this is when Doctor and Ellie, on uh, Doctor uh, Doctor Dan and Ellie are walking around the town. All right, they go to the factory, and then this is when they're gonna go pretend like they're gonna pick up some mask. Um, so they ask like, "Hey, you know, did we get this order? It was on the ship down the twenty first and stuff." And she's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we gave out that order and stuff." Um, she's like, oh, "Okay, well, can you like, do you have anybody here that actually physically gave the order to him?" He's like, "Yeah, Red just walked up." So this guy named Red gave um, the order to um, Mr. Greenbridge, Ilya's dad. And he's like, oh, yeah, he was in some sort of old green station wagon. She's like, oh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Did you see where he went off to? He's like, nope, didn't see it. Nope. So they're about to leave. But then the buddy copper uh, clan comes in. All right. We got Buddy, Betty, and Little Buddy, and this is when we, <laughs> and this is when we found out Betty, Buddy, and Little Buddy. Yes, and this is when we they get they basically get congratulated because the Buddy Clan they sold the most Shamrock Mask in the entire nation. Have you ever sold the most yep. uh, mask in the entire nation, uh, Allison? Nope, I can't. I cannot say that I've ever accomplished that uh, that feat. Yeah, but the buddies have, and now they got to go f- to on a free trip to uh, the mask factory. Yes. So well, that's basically what he wins. <laughs> he wins a tour of the mask <laughs> factory. Thanks. Yes. Um, and then and then um, you know the uh, Doctor Dan, they're about to leave, but he's like, okay, wait. And then of course, Conquering goes up to him. He's like, oh hey, you guys from earlier, hey about that Marge girl. Don't worry about her. We sent her to California on a helicopter. She's in the best uh, facility known to man. <laughs> Don't worry about it. And, like, and then, like, and then, like, Buddy's like, "Oh, wait a minute, we're gonna do a tour. Hey, can my two new friends come along?" And he's like, "Okay, yeah, I guess that'd be fine." And then they all basically go along and they tour the Shamrock Building, and somehow this movie turned into Willy Wonka. It is very Willy Wonka like at this point, isn't it? <laughs> um, where they're all in the in the, the mask factory. Yes. But um, I think this is really strange, though. This plot point. So, I mean, so I guess they wanted to create some kind of incentive to be able to spread the mask throughout the country. But as important as we're going to find out that this Halloween is for this mask company and, and their plans, why would they invite someone to the factory that could potentially stop them or just get in the way? I think that's really strange. Well, the only thing I could think of is Cochran. He needed some test subject. So he's like, okay, well, what can I do to find the best test subject? Oh, I'll just find, I'll do a contest. Whoever wins could take a tour of this factory and we can kill them and cover up their body somehow. I guess But he didn't. But in two days, our plan's going off, though. Yes. But he didn't expect Dr. Dan to, to, to come in and spoil, spoil the, the stuff. Also, why would this contest happen before Halloween? Like, you, you know, they would still be, if they, if they're, if they're these big mass sellers, they sold more mass than anybody in the country. I mean, it's like two days before Halloween, they would still be selling mass, right? That is actually a very good point because I used yeah. to work at a Halloween store for one year and mm-hmm. the actual day of Halloween is actually one of the busiest day for a Halloween store. Yeah, because everybody waits to the last minute, right? But they would still be selling masks if, if Halloween was a big deal for them. They would still be selling those like two or three days before before Halloween for sure. So I, I think that's really weird. 
course, you know, we can't have the plot with them showing up after Halloween. But So yeah. basically what happened is, since I've been watching a lot of Game <laughs> of Thrones, so <laughs> Buddy and his, and his clan, his uh, his house, Cooper, all right, they decided to, to, to take a tour to the Shamrock place, and they kept their, their uh, cousin there, uh, uh, Bobby, all right? Bobby. Bobby. Bobby of House Bobby. He is running the store for um for the Halloween, and you know when it won't when the when the, the the Coopers eventually meet their demise, he will now take over the reign of the the store. So that's how that's how they got that's how they got to go away on the actual Halloween day to not sell at the store. All right, fair enough. Anyway, so Bobby is talking about all the hol- <laughs> all the, all the Hall of Fame stuff that Cochran has done. Like, hey, do you know he invented the sticky toilet paper? He's like, look at how much he pays attention to detail on all these gadgets I used to get all the time as a little kid. And of course, they're walking around stuff, and they see like, he's like, hey, these masks are about to be finalized and stuff, but let's get the little Bubby like a a, a non-finalized mask. And, you know, Bobby was like, oh, well, uh, uh, or Buddy, he was all like, uh, oh, well, what's the final process and stuff? He's like, oh, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You know, it's the trade <laughs> secrets of the trade. Yeah. He's, and then they're, they're walking around, and, <laughs> and I was like, you got to be kidding me. So they walk around a room that says, <laughs> final processing room. <laughs> yeah, that, that was amazing. And they're like, that was like oh, okay, really interesting. Amazing. I wonder what happens in there. <laughs> so they're all talking, like, you know, Buddy really wants to take a tour in there. Like, he's trying to push and push for it. And the guy's like, oh, I can't show you in there. It's too dangerous, all these chemicals and shit that are in there. <laughs> Um, and then this is when, um, uh, Betty is talking a little bit with the Ilya about like, Hey, you know, you know, this conquering guy got super rich by selling these shitty toys. Hopefully this fucking buddy guy is going to get rich too, selling these shitty toys as well. That's basically what they were talking about. So they're outside a little bit. And then now this is when Dr. Dan, he's noticing that the suit people are around everywhere. Like they're just like standing like little, like fucking in the hallways and outside the area. And he goes like, he's like worried about it. He's like, hey, Ilya, we got to leave right now. So they're leaving. And he's like, hey, you know, what's, why are we leaving? It's like, these suit guys, these are like the same kind of guys that I saw when your father um, got killed. He's like, look, look, there's one right there. There's one right there. And then she, and then Ilya eventually sees the uh, old green station wagon. And she's like, oh, that's my father's car. And she runs up to it and they suit stop her. And then we got Cochran saying to Buddy, trade secrets. And then they all, then Ilya goes back, hugs them, and we move on. And then we're back at the hotel now. She's like, I saw it. That had to be my dad's car. And then, you know, Dr. Dan, he wants to call the police and stuff, but he's trying to call the police and stuff. And we hear a uh, an answering scene saying, like, hey, we can't reach you and stuff. And this answering scene was pretty funny because it was it was voiced by um, Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis, yes. Laurie Strode, mm-hmm. brother, in the movie, kind of. So now we're having a commercial. One more day till Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. And then this is when Dr. Dan, he noticed right when he got back to the hotel, Elliot is now missing. And Uh-oh. then we have the suit army show up and they start attacking Dr. Dan. Kind of like Terminator shit, but Dr. Dan's too fast for them and he fucking gets out of there. And then 
a funny thing to me, we have a silver shamrock company car rocking, <laughs> driving around the whole place with like four suits in it. <laughs> um, and this is when they bring, <laughs> I don't know why the company silver shamrock company car was funny to me. It is pretty funny though. Like, <laughs> it's like, okay. So now they brought Italy, they brought her to the garage and then Dan is still trying to call the operator, but he's still getting that same message. And we get more company cars around everywhere. Dr. Dan sneaking around the buildings. He eventually gets inside. Um, he sees like this old lady knitting. He wants to know where the girl is, it, is, but the old lady knitting is a robot. Brother. All right. Yeah, this is the first time we see a robot, right? Yes, this is the first time we're, we're noticing that uh, human-like structures are robots. Yes. Right? And this is when a suit guy grabs Dr. Dan and throws him around and stuff, and they start fighting. And eventually, you know, you know, you know, Tom Enkin's contract was like, I got to beat up somebody. And he did. So Super Dan over here, all right, he punches this robot in his stomach so hard and he pulls out its guts and we get the yellow slime, brother. Ooh, slime is always good in a horror movie, I think. Yeah. So we don't get a lot of slime, but we get a little bit. We get some. And then, of course, we have more suits grab um, Dr. Dan. And this is when Cochrane shows up. He goes on this long story about some German robot that this knitting thing was from. And, of course, you know, he's asking where Ilya's at. And he's like, she's resting. Uh, he's like, you know, uh, Halloween is going to be a busy day for me. Uh, as a medical man, you should find that interesting. <laughs> so, for some reason, like, I don't know why, but, like, it, like Cockroon kind of reminded me of, like, a Scooby-Doo villain. Oh, he's absolutely a Scooby-Doo villain. And he becomes more of a Scooby-Doo villain as we go. <laughs> so we have fucking Willy Wonka and we have Scooby-Doo all in this movie. It's great. <laughs> so now we go inside the final processing room. So we, we are going behind the doors, brother. You guys didn't think you were going to see it, but you did. But we are. So this is also too, he was going on the elevator. And he was talking about how he made these suit creatures and how loyal they are. So basically confirming that all these suit guys are robots. Mm-hmm. And then like they're like talking about how this room is some has some advanced technology in it. And he's like, I don't want to give away my secrets, but here I'm about to give away all my secrets. Because <laughs> he, well, he said he said like, like a James Bond villain, right? <laughs> okay. He's gonna tell you he's gonna tell you what the plan is and with enough time for you to stop the plan. Because he was all like, listen, I don't want to give away the magic, and then he just gives away the magic. <laughs> I wonder if I could do it like, let me see if I could do it like a Scooby-Doo villain. Yes. Look at my creation. See that over there? That is Stonehenge. Don't even ask me how I got it. Ha 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 ha. So they they stole Stonehenge. Yes. Right? Yes. I they, mean, really? I mean, yes, he stole, they stole Stonehenge yes, he stole, and it's, it's, it took it to, to California, apparently. Yes. And what he did was he put the power of Stonehenge into a microchip. And he put all those microchips into the Shamrock logo. All right. Uh, yeah, I thought didn't it? Isn't I thought a piece of Stonehenge was in every microchip. Yes. Or does he just say the power? Oh, well, I think it's a piece of Stonehenge which has the power that's in the microchip. Okay. Because it looks like the, you know we saw some people working and like looks like they were like. Uh, well, actually, I don't know if it is because like I mean, fuck, man, like they made a lot of masks. I mean. And they only yeah. look like they got like they only look like they got like a quarter of the fucking Stonehenge down. So yeah, I was about to say it looks still mostly intact. 
when they reveal it in the movie. Yeah. So Dr. Dan asks, like, what about the girl? She's on TV. She's, like, locked in this room. Uh, and then she's like, oh, they're Margie girl. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, you killed her and stuff. Like, well, that was a misfire. <laughs> and he's like, let me show you a demonstration of what's going to... This is a total fucking Scooby-Doo Von villain. Let me show you a des- demonstration. Totally. And let me give you my whole plot of how it's going to be undiscovered right now. And then I'm going to show you what happens. So if you have any ideas of how to break it, just don't let me know. But I'm giving you more <laughs> hints. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you and it's enough time for you to stop my plot. <laughs> yes. But let me show you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so we get the buddy family. Um, they go into the uh, the fake family looking room, the test A center. You know, uh, um, um, uh, Betty, she's complaining about how this place looks like a bunch of, you know, just what the hell? Like, why are we here? Like, and then like, uh, Buddy is all like, hey, you know, Mr. Conqueror needed my ideas for some co- new commercials he's working on. But, you know, it's kind of weird, though. Like, he didn't really, like, take my order for next year like he usually does. Like, I'm not really sure yeah, why. Gee, it's kind of weird. Why. <laughs> yeah. He's just, and then Betty's like, well, maybe it'll be the last Halloween. Ha, 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 ha. So then the commercial starts playing. And, of course, you know, Conqueror and Dr. Dan are watching all this stuff with some lab android shit. Um, so this is when uh, the, the 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 kid puts on his mask. He's watching the whole thing, and then so the Shamrock the Shamrock commercial goes to this point where it shows a flashing pumpkin on the TV, which mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a, kind of a cool idea. I liked it. I like that idea. Yeah, I so thought it, it looked great. So he puts on the mask. It's time to go. Hey, the countdown's here. Check out the TV. Watch the TV. They're watching it. Kids watching it, and eventually the the pumpkin mask like fucking decays on his face and shit. All right. And he falls down. Yeah. And we get like bugs, fucking snakes. The mom makes him joke. Then she's like faints on the floor, but he freaks out. He does like this weird type of like screaming. Uh, and then a, then a snake bites him. And then I guess there goes buddy family. They're gone. I guess so. Yeah. That was really, that whole scene was really weird, but yeah, the crickets were uh, coming out of his mouth. were kind of creepy. Yes. So this is when we get the commercial playing now. Now this is when, like you know, we got this whole big scene of the, the commercial playing and saying, like, "Hey, kids, put on your mask at this time of night and stuff." And then we're seeing all types of different areas. We see Nebraska, we see Baton Rouge, what? We see California, what? We see Washington. Uh-huh. We see what? kids. Yeah, what? <laughs> we see kids in front of uh, the TV. We see them in Arizona. All right. And this but is, the strange thing is, all of those places looked like the uh, the same California town where they filmed this. Well, yeah, we just put the titles on there. And all, all I can <laughs> exactly. notice, like, brother, it ain't it didn't hit in Texas, it ain't hit in North Carolina. We're good to go. Yeah, we're good to go. Hmm. Um, I did love the scene. Well, it's on the cover of the poster too. But that scene, yeah. I think it's in Arizona, supposedly, yeah. where the kids within the mass are walking in front of the sunset. Yeah, that oh, that is so gorgeous. Yeah. It looks so good. A lot of good scenery shots. Guy. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that was that that is a great one. They use that for the poster a lot too, which is cool. Yep. So Teddy now is she figured out something. So she's trying to call the Centenary Hotel. All right. She keeps trying mm-hmm. to call. She's going through, but she's she can't really get through. So then she eventually calls this guy named Roger. All right. Um, and this, we can kind of see when she's calling Roger, one of the suits, they show up. Oh, okay. 
she said like hey you know i found something that's uh that's not like car parts and stuff it's kind of weird and then uh we can see the uh, stoop grabbing a, a drill all right um and then she's like looking at the car parts of mars is like oh shit so she i guess she figured out like these are like Android somehow? I don't know how she figured it out. I guess she somehow found... Yeah, I guess at some point she found out, well, these look like the parts from a robot. But, like, it's weird because, you know, Dr. Dan asked her to do some research on Connell Cochran, and, like, we never got the payoff. Did she find research? Maybe she did, and she's like, okay, this Cochran guy is known for making deadly Android... Robots. Robots somehow, (laughs) even though he makes cheap (laughs) Halloween masks that we sell stuff. I don't know. Anyway, the, uh, the 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 soup guy comes in there and he drills the fucking thing in her ear, which we don't really see. Yeah, could have been more gore in that scene, but yeah, you know, but yeah, they're I, trying I think to they're keep it more family. Yeah, they're trying to keep it a little bit more like story into than like gore effects and stuff. But you know, you could have done that for this scene. Yeah. So it's now seven thirty p.m. We're back, uh, into Santa. Uh, Dan is tied up now. All right, and this is when Cochran's saying, "Okay, I hope you enjoy this Halloween flick, uh, but, but just wait to the giveaway at nine o'clock." Uh, and then, of course, Dan was like, "Why, Cochran?" He's like, "Well, I just love it. This guy is totally Scooby Doo. I just love a good joke." <laughs> All right, and he's like, "You know, talks about Halloween stuff. You know, Halloween to everybody is just known as a bunch of kids in masks begging for candy." But the Celtic way of Halloween is a little different. It's the festival of Sanhum. 3,000 uh, 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 years ago, you know, we used to kill animals and children, you know, to, to, to rise and create the new world of witchcraft. Mm, yeah. So he just goes on about this, like, whole story. <laughs> and then he's basically saying he wants to, basically, he wants to have Halloween be the true uh, cleansing of the world. To, to basically mm-hmm. kind of cleanse it for and give sacrifice like they used to do 3,000 years ago on his Celtic day of Halloween. Yeah, which is only partially true, but that's okay. Well, this is what Cochrane believes. Okay. <laughs> that's what Cochrane I mean, fucking, said. So that's, yes. Do we even need Michael Myers? I mean, come on, guys. I mean, this guy right here. <laughs> not, not if we have Connell Cochrane. We yeah. don't need Michael I mean, Myers. come on, guys. I mean, fuck it. <laughs> What if the movies are just continue with Connell Cochran? Exactly. Being the back. Could you imagine? Could you imagine Cochran and Loomis in the same scene? <laughs> Fuck, my head would explode. <laughs> All right? I don't know what to do. <laughs> These guys are crazy. And of course, like he turns on the movie the Halloween one. So we have Dan, <laughs> Doctor Dan, tied up to a chair, has a skeleton mask on him, and he's forced to watch Halloween one. I mean, come on, man, you're not forced to watch it. Yeah. So we actually. We kind of, I mean, so we had Michael Myers in in the Halloween one trailer, yeah, and we had Jamie Lee Curtis, so yeah. we kind of got, you know, yeah, kind of got, got him in this movie. Got your money's worth. You got Michael in there somewhere, so don't worry about it, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he teasing you a little bit. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, we got the new face of fear, Cochran. So I mean, come on, absolutely. So, and then he says, "Happy Halloween." Ooh, deadly. So <laughs> now, so now, <laughs> yeah, sick burn. <laughs> so now it's seven forty nine. You know, we got the Halloween and the back, Halloween one playing. It's now 7.50. Dan keeps looking at the clock. He's all tied up and stuff. Uh, eventually, uh, Dr. Dan breaks the TV with his feet because, you know, this is like, you know, you know, you know, besides him being a lover, he's also a fighter too. So girls, he is. Wa- girls watch out. You know what I mean? He, he Bare hands, this Dr. Dan. Um, so Go- Cochran gets a call. 
And this is when Dr. Dan is cutting himself loose, so Cockroach is not really paying attention to the cameras. And then the uh, lab android is too shy to tell, basically tell him what's going on. And um, right, yeah. I don't know if you noticed this too. Like, did you see like that when Dr. Dan just like threw the mask on the camera and he hit it perfectly? Yeah, it was great. That was that was amazing. Speaking of Dr. Dan and, and what you're just talking about, so do you think that Dr. Dan's like gimmick name, if you were a wrestler, would be uh, Bare Hands Dr. Dan? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that'd be a good gimmick name, right? If you were yeah. a wrestler. A.K.A. Loverboy. Loverboy, exactly. Uh-huh. Or, or you put him in a tag team with Rick Rude with that mustache. Oh, oh, oh my God. What a, ta- what a tag team. Oh, my God. Yeah, Dr. Dan... Bare hands, Dan, and ravishing Rick Rude. They both came out in a robe. They both got the stashes. They both come out in robes. Fuck. Yep. I, I mean, think we just rewrote the eighties. Fuck, bro. You might as well just like fucking not even try with women anymore. Okay. You might yep. just throw them, yep, throw women on them. Yep. All right. They would come out to some docking. Oh, perfect. I love it. <laughs> so anyway, back to the story. <laughs> So that's better than almost the story sometimes, saying so that tag team. Anyway. <laughs> so like so Cochran is talking to like I guess like a investor company and stuff. It's like, oh yeah, just say hey, don't don't forget to see uh uh, uh the, the big reveal at nine o'clock and oh forty three shares. Oh nice. Oh nice. Nice. So this is when Dr. Gan uh, escapes and he's talking about the big giveaway at um at nine, telling the guy on the phone. And then um, eventually the, the, the robot shows um, conquering what happened. And they notice that, that Dr. Dan has now escaped. All right. And he's like, okay, we'll go follow his ass. So this is when we get Dr. Dan. He's on the roof and everything, kind of like just making his stuff around. And he finally, <laughs> so he goes through like these boxes and stuff. And he hides from a couple of the suits. And of all things, he finally found a working phone. And who does he call? <laughs> he calls his fucking ex-wife. To be like, hey, yeah, don't get those masks on. It's like she's bitching. Like, what the fuck? I haven't heard from you and stuff. You're like you're just being jealous and shit. Blah blah blah. It's like, no, don't have him wear the mask on. Tell me. She's like, well, fuck. I'm gonna get those masks. And she just hangs up. So, I mean, yep. She's so pissed off at this point after he keeps no showing on her. Yeah, that she doesn't even want to listen to. Of all people to call, I guess he couldn't think of anybody else. But I mean, I know, get he, it. What he, he was trying to do. And she's too pissed off. He was trying to save his kids. Yeah. I get it. He was trying to save his kids from watching the right. fucking thing and dying. But if I, I mean, could you just call like maybe her brother or something, like somebody who wasn't pissed off at you? <laughs> right. Or maybe that's the only number he knew off the top of hand. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, yeah. So this is when he gets away and he finally goes to find Illy and he grabs her. Um, and then they both like they both run away. So he finds her in that room and yeah. he like, takes her out and they both run away. Um, and this is when we have um uh, them hiding, they they go back into the uh, the, uh, the 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 processing factory, you know, the final processing room, and they're hiding behind a you know <laughs> the funniest part is like this is totally out of Scooby Doo too, where they're hiding behind <laughs> the fucking mask, they're all on like the big shelf, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> and then of course you know they're 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 uh, getting everything ready for the big broadcast tonight. Um, and this is when Dr. Dan, he finds the little, like little, uh, logo chip. He finds one of those and he has an idea. Okay. Mm-mm. So Dr. Dan, not only is he a lover. Okay. Not only is he like, basically he should be a fighter. Okay. Cause he could fight these robots and everything. He's also pretty sneaky too, because he, he sneaks 
through all these robots and stuff with centuries and everything. You know, they have robot powers and sneaks to conquering. Super easy. And he punches a bunch of buttons that he has no idea what he's punching. But somehow when he punches it, he turns <laughs> on the broadcast. Okay. Yeah. He just so, figures it out. Yeah he just, fig- yeah. he just figures it out on the spot. I mean, come on. He's a doctor. Come on now. <laughs> So the blue light starts to appear. I keep hitting my microphone. What the fuck? Fucking Cochran. He's making me do this. So we have the blue lights are now showing everywhere. All right. Yeah. And then Cochran, he he doesn't like do anything. He sees all this happening. He's like, oh, okay. What's gonna play out here? Let me let me let it play out. So the the <laughs> the, the commercials playing right, and they're going like he goes upstairs. With the with the box of the logos, all right, you know, the logo yeah. pins with the chips in them, and he goes up there. Cochran's still looking. It's like, okay, he's up there now. What is he gonna do? Well, I wonder. All right, and we <laughs> have I'm not trying to stop him though. Yeah, I'm not gonna try to stop him. I'm just gonna look at him. Like I gotta see what happens. And the TV starts to like glow blue, and then the Stonehenge glows blue too, and then like mm-hmm. he just like fucking drops all the logo chips. And all the logo chips, like, blue lights, all these robots, and kills all the robots. All right, all right. And this is when Cochran looks. He looks a little worried. He looks up. He sees the, the Stonehenge turn blue. He sees that turns blue. And he just starts to clap. Well done, sir. Well done. <laughs> Thank well you, done. Scooby-Doo, you damn pesk. Right. And then, of course, the Stonehenge is now angry. And they shoot him with blue light. And Cochran is now to ash. Yep, he's killed by Stonehenge. Yes. Uh, Allison, have you ever seen anybody killed by Stonehenge before? Not until this, but, you know, there's a first time for everything. Yes. This, this may or may not be the only person the, the Stonehenge has ever killed. Well, you know, hey, gotta, gotta, get, the, gotta get it up there somehow. All right. So right. now the, the whole factory, Shamrock family, is now in flames now. It's all blown up. It's all gone. So Dan and Ella, they're escaping now. And, you know, do you think this movie's done? No. We're about to swerve you. Nope. Okay. He's driving. He's like, Dr. Dan's like, okay, we got to do something because the broadcast is still going to happen. People still have the mass of the chips in them and the broadcast is still going on air. You know, it's been paid for, brother. Okay. We paid for this fucking slot. It ain't cheap. Yep. Out of nowhere, fucking Italy Grimbitch attacks him. Yeah, swerve. Swerve. She. So, what I'm guessing is she was either a robot the whole time or in a, in a span of about 45 minutes or 10 minutes, depends on what your time frame is, she turned into a full-fledged android robot. Yeah, so I was a little confused by this. So, was she an android the whole time or did, did they kill Ellie and replace her with an android? I mean... If it's trying to like, if it's like the body snatchers movie, I mean, didn't that that's what they did? They kill somebody, then they just replace their body with the, or, yeah. the robot. But like, well, yeah, the, but we don't know that. I mean, she this could have been an elaborate trick to get him up there to make this movie go forward or something. Well, th- that doesn't really make sense because, like, okay, well, I mean, <laughs> I get her body snatching; they create a robot out of her. But man, that was kind of quick. Like, by the time that she got kidnapped, I mean, I'll give him credit; it might have been an hour. You know what I mean? Maybe one yeah, hour. Yeah, it was it was pretty quick. Maybe I mean I guess it doesn't take him very long to make a robot. Oh, fuck Cockroach, man. Fucking this guy. 
I mean, he could just make androids like that. I mean, shit. He made him faster than the fucking Westworld people. Yeah, anyway, absolutely. So they start fighting everything. He just crashes, and then she had, she starts attacking. We not this is when we notice that she's a robot now. Um, mm-hmm. she's like, and eventually our boy Doctor Dan, you know, he's also skilled with weapons too because he grabs a crowbar mm-hmm. and starts smacking her all the way around. Yeah, Sma- beats her to death. Heads comes off and stuff. Eventually gets back in the car. The hand grabs him and stuff. He throws the hand away. Which I don't know why. I thought that was funny. <laughs> Fuck this hand. Yeah, where the hand's still yeah. in the car and then it attacks yeah. him. Yeah. And then she goes out there, then the body attacks him. He just pu- pushes it away. <laughs> All right. He's like, oh, fuck. Well, that was a good piece of ass for a little bit. Fuck it. I still got that teddy girl. Yeah. All right. She's a robot. Yeah. So. Well, he doesn't have teddy, but he doesn't know that yet. Oh, yeah. That's right. Oh, fuck, man. All his women are dead. Yeah. Because she got, uh, she got uh, uh, drilled in the face. That's true. So he's running, and he, and he and so Dr. Dan's not running away, and he goes to that gas station. I guess the gas station is nearby, fucking wherever they're at or something. Yeah, Maybe yeah. Halfway same point, gas station. Same yeah. gas station. Yeah. Um, and then he goes up to the guy's like, I need a phone. It's life or death. And of course, the guy's like, what the fuck's it, going on here? Crazy white but people. But hold on. There. That is kind of weird, though, if you think about it. Yeah. So that is supposed to be the same gas station from the beginning of the movie, correct? Yes. Yeah, it, I mean, it is the same place. So they had to drive to, 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 to the town, to Santa Mira, whatever the town's called. Yeah. But, so it implies that it's a ways, right? Like yeah. they had to drive. But then it's close enough that they would take him to the hospital that Dr. Dan works at. Yes. I just think this whole thing is really odd. Um, not that the plot hasn't fallen apart before this point, but I think this point's really weird. Well, maybe... Um, Dr. Dan and, and uh, Illy, they, maybe they were driving for a good amount of time until she revealed herself as a deadly robot. Possibly. Possibly. Maybe maybe they've been driving a while. Yes, maybe. But yeah, because but they definitely kind of imply that they were driving a long time and that they don't know where this town is, but it's close enough that you know he can run there from uh, to the gas station or whatever. Well, yeah. But anyway, so what's going on at the movie? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, the guy, he, the, the, uh, Mr. Grimbridge was an Olympic, uh, runner. You didn't know that? Okay. Of course. Of yeah, course. Of course. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so this part is like semi, it's, it's crazy, but it's also funny too. So Dr. Dan, I don't know how he knew this number, but he called up, apparently he called up super quick, the national broadcasting team of um, a United States of America. Yes. Right? And How convenient like, that he can do that and yes. get right through. Right through. On on Halloween <laughs> night, no problem. Right through, talk to whoever. He, he got some clout, this Dr. Dan does, okay? Yes. He's going on saying, like, fucking, just make up some shit. You know, there's no time. Millions of people are going to die. Just say it's a bomb threat. Just take it off the air. You got to believe me. I'm not crazy, and, and, man. I swear. Right. And they trust him enough to take the, t- the, sh- the shows off the air. Yeah, well, this crazy person calling them. Yeah, so these kids come in with shamrock masks. They just walk into the gas station for some reason, and they watch the TV. This is a weird scene, too. So when I go trick-or-treating with a mask, I don't just come into a gas station and just start watching TV. But these kids do. Right, exactly. Slim Pickens, I guess. So they're watching it. One TV. Hey, stand by. We're having some technical difficult. Okay. Next one. Hey, we're going to have some technical difficult. Okay, next one's on there. And it plays the whole thing. And he's all like, hey. Uh, you guys forgot channel number three. Please stop it. Turn it, turn it off. And then just keeps playing, keep playing. He's like, no, no, stop it, no, no, stop it. 
I'll stop it. I'll stop, stop it. it. Stop it. Oh, and then, bam, Knight Rider plays. Yeah. Did you know that that music at the end was, that was from Knight Rider. Didn't, you know. It, it's, it's, it's similar, yes. Don't but, tell me uh, it I believe wasn't. that's. Uh, I was waiting for David yeah. Hasselhoff to show up and save the day. Okay, fine. It's from Knight Rider. And that ends Halloween 3 season of which left us with a little cliff- cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. I liked it. So yeah, I mean, uh, so we assume that everybody dies, right? Well, it's possible. Maybe, yeah. maybe after we said stop it a thousand times, maybe they actually stopped it, and then we only have half transformation. Maybe, yeah. Okay. Maybe, so maybe, a couple yeah. things. Um, I did hear there might be doing a sequel to this movie actually coming out later on. Uh, I mean, not this year, but a couple years. I actually heard that was, that might be in a production, but it's probably been in production for a while to do an actual sequel to this mm-hmm. movie. Um, which would be, you know, I think that'd be kind of a cool, I'm not sure what you can actually do, but it would be a pretty interesting um, take on a sequel to this movie. You could see where they kind what of What would they call it? it? Halloween 3-2? They would call it uh, Season of the Witch Pumpkin Style. I don't know. Okay, very good. They would call it, <laughs> they would call it Halloween 3.0, Revenge of the Cochran. Three. Yeah, pumpkin spice. Oh, there we go. 3.0, pumpkin spice is back, yes. But, uh, so, you know, Halloween 3 to me, um, like we were saying, uh, (laughs) some of the plot points are a little little, little quirky. Um, I thought Tom Enkins did a great job, though. His character was definitely fun. Like, he just had a very fun character, I thought, you know, because some of the stuff is just so ridiculous if you analyze it. You know, it's this doctor guy, he just wants a bunch of ass, he just went to this town to get this yeah. young girl a piece of ass. And next thing you know, he's trying to save the world. I mean, good guy. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know, it had a very interesting plot, uh, especially Cochran and how he was like some sort of evil Scooby-Doo villain. Um, yep. So what, 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 what are some of your thoughts on it, Allison? I mean, like I said, I love this movie. I, I love watching it. I watch it more than any of the other ones. I just, I just love how crazy it is and just like this whole witchcraft sci-fi uh plot that it has um i just think it's cool it's just it's really really cool that's one thing i can say it's just a cool story i love the mass of course um i love the way it looks um yeah i mean there's not a lot that i can complain about this movie and i think a lot of people just hate this movie because they feel like they're supposed to Uh, but it's actually a pretty it's a pretty good film I, i like this a lot yeah i mean um you know when I first watched this movie, uh, I remember it being like, oh, it's okay. You know, but ha- as the years have passed, you know, I watch it more and more. You know, I find more things I like about it. You know, mm-hmm. so it's yeah. definitely one of those movies that you can watch over and over again. You can find little things that you kind of like, you know. And the, it's just like the overall stuff is it's a little goofy, but it's actually, it's a very, it's actually a very interesting and kind of a creepy concept in a way too. Yes. So, and... This movie actually has a very good like marketing strategy behind it. I thought as well too, because you know not only did you have this creepy movie with these masks, but you know, I mean that's selling these masks with this movie is you know really good marketing idea too. So I thought there was a I thought this movie was very creative, you know, of everything. You know, yeah, absolutely. I I get it. Some people not liking it because it's under the Halloween umbrella, which the Halloween umbrella is like mainly right. the Michael Myers and Laurie Strode storyline. Um, right. But I thought you know. If if they actually stopped the whole Michael Myers stuff, you know, I thought the idea of a Halloween 
anthology series would work and i still think it would work um but you know yeah, absolutely it wouldn't so but everybody that's been halloween 3 season of which join us here next week as we go back we we, we have the return of michael myers we had the return of loomis where we we had a uh, uh we had to get him back brother they're back in action mm-hmm. next year next next week here on the retro blood we we're talking about Halloween four re- return of Michael Myers. Return brother. of Michael Myers. And this one is going to be very fun. And this movie actually has a very close to my heart. Um, it's actually one of my favorite Halloween movies. So that is going to be very fun. So join us here next week on the Retro Blood. Like I said, we were doing the entire series from the eighties of the Halloween movies. And unfortunately, we only have two more to go. And then, of course, you know, there's five weeks in uh, in October, so we're going to be doing a little special one. Um, on October thirtieth, yeah, surprise! It's a surprise one, and of course, we are also doing on the Halloween day. We are having the battle of the Halloween Havocs, brother. I can't wait to do that one. That's gonna be very fun. That's gonna be on a yeah, lights out show. So, but um, Allison, I say we end with some Van Halen, brother. And if you don't mind, I agree. I would like to pick the song, and this song is going out to Mister Doctor Dan Tom Ankums himself. Oh, pretty woman. Oh, yeah. It couldn't be anything else, right? It couldn't be anything else. I mean, this guy, I mean, he saw pretty women everywhere, and boy, he closed the deal, brother. He made it yep. happen. Even, even when they were androids. Yeah. So, even yeah, even when they were androids. <laughs> Back, you know what I mean? So, after, you know, trying to save the world, you know, from deadly uh, uh, bugs coming out of kid's mask, you know, on the side, he'll get his game back. He'll get his love back. Shout out to uh, Dr. Dan. But everybody, thanks for joining us on the Retro Blood. J.A. Austin, James Klein. We'll see you guys here next week. See you next week.